I heard you say when you when you picked up golf for the first time, you had an oh shit, I'm good at this moment. Why was that a surprise for you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was surprised if I was good at anything when I was a kid. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, this is obviously a show about mental health and golf and the intersection of those. I mean, my, my mental health or lack thereof or my emotional health as a kid was extremely, extremely inhibited. So um, I think, you know, I look at golf as just one of the many lenses that I was able to look through and be like, you're not good enough, basically. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Hey y'all, it's Connor, and thanks for listening to Group Golf Therapy. Sean Hotchkiss joins us for this session, and he had a ton to unpack on the show. His journey through self-discovery and acceptance, writing stories as a means of survival, and a therapeutic technique we can all use to play golf with a younger version of ourselves. Sean is a former magazine writer who now runs a life coaching practice, and the three of us learned so much from him, how rawly and candidly he carries himself, and how true he is to his own emotions. Like a lot of our guests, Sean hit the pause button on golf for a period in his life, but he's recently picked the clubs back up. In his words, he feels younger when he plays golf now than when he did when he was playing as a kid. Let us know what you think of our session with Sean. And remember, hit him straight and mind your golf. I just listened to the Christina Kim episode and she came out firing, man. I want to do the same, you know? We got to. Let's, let's just go in. All right, Absolutely. hit us with something. I love let's it. go. I let's love go. it. I love it. <laughs> you got um, any fart jokes? No, hot takes only. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, is that a, is that a part joke? Sure. Yeah. 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 Count. <laughs> uh, Sean, we're we're obviously huge fans of you, and uh, you might be one of the first people to be joining the show that isn't uh, specifically working in the golf industry. Um, you know, we 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 kind of first learned about your your love of golf from that beautiful, uh, you know, essay that you wrote for friend of the show, Michael Williams, uh, a continuously in golf, uh, uh, website, um, talking about your, your journey back to golf, uh, from growing up playing and, um, and finding your way back. Um, you, you've really gone through a lot of, I should say, you know, iterations of yourself over the years, uh, being a, a public figure, being a, a writer, and you know being really open and, and vulnerable and honest with your your writings um and that being said you know has your has your relationship with golf changed over the years from when you were you know writing for the khaki crusader uh your golf blog back in the day to to now in in 2021 yeah i mean it it has and it hasn't i think you know i i was you know, in preparation for coming to hang out with you guys, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, when I first got into golf and, mm. you know, in many ways that, that, um, like the passion and the connection that I felt to golf is very much still intact and has probably not changed all that much. I think, I think that's why, <laughs> I think that's why it was, it was cool to take a hiatus and come back to 
golf, you know, like, I think it's always interesting when you, when you kind of like put something down for a while and come back to it for very organic reasons and kind of rediscover what you love about it. And that's what, that's what this coming back to golf has been like for me. Cause it, you know, it, it was, it was something that like, I mean, I, I just was so obsessed with it as a kid. It was like, when I discovered it, it was like nothing else mattered in my life. It was, you know, full on dawn to dusk obsession. Um, a lot of the people that we have spoken to have a similar story of leaving golf um, and then returning to it. And I think that's interesting. And unfortunately, it seems as though, and ourselves included, that the reasons why people have left the game have been traumatic. Mm. Um, what what was your reason? What was your story with leaving golf, leaving the clubs in the closet for some time and then and then picking them back up again i mean i don't know if you're like a real golfer unless you haven't quit you know a few, <laughs> a few dozen times you know it's such a there's i mean just just on a base level of you know it's such a fru- it can be such a frustrating game you know mm. and i remember i remember the first time i really wanted to quit golf was i was I was 17 and I had, uh, I was taking a year off between high school and college uh, to go play down in the, I, I, I was a pretty good high school golfer and I thought I wanted to play D1 golf. So I went down and I did this program in Hilton Head, South Carolina called the IJGA, which is the International Junior Golf Academy. And um, basically what it was is it was like a postgraduate year <laughs> of me just, you know, waking up at one o'clock, getting drunk, playing golf. And yeah, but, but it was like, it was, it was, it was a really fun year, but I I remember there was a tournament that I was playing at. And when you, when you push yourself so hard on something like that and you put yourself, put so much pressure on yourself, like, I don't know how, I don't know how people do it that make it to the professional ranks of golf, because I know that they're going through that too. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just putting a ton of pressure on myself. I was always hard on myself when I was young in golf specifically because I had such massive expectations because I picked it up and I was like, holy shit, I'm good at this. Mm. And so there, and then the pressure gets stacked on. Right. So yeah, I was, I was in a tournament that year and that year I had, you know, I was like shooting under par regularly. I was playing better golf than I had ever played in my entire life. Like kind of unconscious golf at times, you know, like probably got a taste of what, the, the men and women who do this professionally do all the time, you know, like got like the smallest little bite-sized morsel of it. Um, and I was, I, and I, but I would just get so frustrated and I was at Pinehurst for this tournament. And I was, I remember hitting this drive and like hitting this wicked push off to the right into the woods and like walking down in the woods, like on the pine, pine needles through, the, through Pinehurst. And I was like, I'm never fucking playing this game again. And that was, <laughs> That was like that was like the first time I quit. But I think Connor to like actually really address your question is like I think I why why ultimately cuz I didn't give it up that time. I went right back. I was there the next day, you know. But um but when I moved to New York and you know my my kind of like my my work life took off, like my my career in magazines and working as a writer um started to take off a little bit for me. Um, golf just got pushed out because, you know, it was like, it was almost like one obsession was replaced by another. It was like, Mm. 
my obsession became, I want to rise up the ranks. I want to be, you know, this guy, I want to be this cool guy working for this magazine. And like, I want everybody to know who I am and all this, you know, that kind of thing. And that just became the obsession. So it was like, I, uh, the, the first, the first fashion gig that I had in New York actually was an internship at Ralph Lauren. And I met some guys there, um, who played golf and were also like these cool, like kind of downtown New York guys. And I was like, I had never met anyone before that like combined those two things into one. And so I just thought, I just thought they were the coolest guys. Um, my boss was this guy named Charlie Schaefer and he actually has like a, he's got his own golf line now. It's called Grayson and uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of guys wear it on tour. Yeah. yeah we um, know Grayson. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He was my boss. And uh, yeah, I mean, Charlie was an amazing golfer. I think he played a couple of years at Duke. And so like we'd, we'd go on these trips upstate, you know, like weekends and stuff and, and go play golf and just have fun. And I think I, I was sober at the time, so I wasn't drinking, but those guys would, you know, drink beers around a campfire and then we'd play golf in the morning. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. You know, like <laughs> this combines like combines everything that I love right now into one. Um, mm. But then the work stuff just kind of took over. I heard you say totally. when you when you picked up golf for the first time, you had an oh shit, I'm good at this moment. Um, why was that a surprise for you? I think I was surprised if I was good at anything when I was a kid. Hmm. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, this is obviously a show about mental health and golf and the intersection of those. I mean, my, my mental health or lack thereof, or my emotional health as a kid was extremely, extremely inhibited. So Hmm. um, I think, you know, I look at golf as just one of the many lenses that I was able to look through and be like, you're not good enough. Basically. Hmm. How did you Yeah, golf will do that to you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Golf will definitely do that. It'll break you down. It'll build you up. It'll give you all the confidence in the world from one shot. And then before you know it, you push in one off to the right at Pinehurst and you're like, F this game. <laughs> totally. It forces you to look at yourself, right? And um, I think that's why the three of us are certainly drawn to it in a way is mm-hmm. the self-actualization of it and what what we can learn from ourselves about through it, what we can learn about ourselves through the game of golf. Did golf was golf a vehicle for you to come to terms with some of your, um, I guess for lack of a better word, struggles growing up? Um, you know, I, I think other than the fact that it gave me some confidence, um, cause again, I, I was, I was a really shy kid. I actually, I know I, Christina kind of touched on this in her show, but it's like golf draws in introverted people, you know, like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a loner's game. And Like, that's why it was so perfect for me and why I just loved it is it was like, I'm out there. It's only me. You know, I can, I'm, I'm playing against the course. I'm not necessarily playing against anyone else. Like I, I played a ton of team sports as a kid and I actually always really enjoyed it, but there was something that just clicked with golf because it was a solo endeavor. Um, and you know, 
I think I think what golf showed me as a kid is it it actually it really showed me some of these things about myself that I wouldn't have seen otherwise because I think I had the most potential in that sport as I would say uh, you know versus any other and so therefore it showed me like my breaking point like you know it was like I was right. I mean we've all seen that we've all seen that person on the course who just is berating themselves and that was me as a kid for sure. Like it was like broken clubs, broken bag stands, helicopter, you know, wedge into the bag stand. Um, like I was, it, it showed me, it showed me a lot about myself, but it definitely showed me that I, that I had quite a lot of self-hatred. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that we talk a lot about on the show is golf being really the great equalizer uh, of sports. Uh, you can obviously learn a lot about yourself, um, and there's a lot of self-reflection that can happen on the golf course. But you can also learn so much about your playing partners and the people that you play with and the the type of people they are. And that is just very clearly shown through how they you know make their way around the course, how they interact with they interact with the course um so that's i mean it's 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 really interesting to be paired up with people that you don't know and you can get a pretty good sense of what type of person they are from uh in you know nine holes or 18 holes yeah i mean i have hilarious memories of being a kid on the golf course with my buddies like getting paired up with some older older guys to go out and play and just watching how they treated themselves on the course like <laughs> I I, play, I remember playing with this one guy and and, and uh, <laughs> I think I was I was playing with my I think it was with my friend Ryan and we were out and he would he would get really mad at himself but he would immediately then apologize so he'd be like cunt sorry you know like <laughs> <laughs> like he would <laughs> he would immediately apologize because we're like twelve year old kids so <laughs> he, mm. he, <laughs> it was it was hilarious. It's the, yeah, I was just say cursing is like, it's like the one time when you can curse when you're a kid and obviously, you know, you're probably not with, you know, parents or, you know, adults that, uh, that would, that would, uh, reprimand you. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, you, you can, you can let it all out when you're on the course for sure. When you're with your friends. I'm curious, Sean, um, you, so, okay. Yeah. You have this experience and we'll get to the, the, um, the laughs, the, the light, you know, part of golf and like what what really makes us laugh about this sport um i'm curious to know if seeing those older guys how they talk to themselves informed your own uh self-talk like Hmm. you because you touched on the realization that you had self-hatred through golf (laughs) of all things you know so i'm curious how that kind of behavior being displayed on the golf course had an effect on you. And if that is, I mean, now we're the, I mean, I I still very much consider myself like, you know, a kid, a young person, but you know, we're, we're the ones who are going to get paired up with like a teenager, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I'm curious how much that kind of behavior informed you at that age. It's a great question. I I think, I think unconsciously without a doubt, right? Like, you know, just, just through osmosis, being around, 
being around people that are talking to themselves in that way. Right. But I think like, I think like, honestly, we could, we could spread that out a little bit further to like, how did I see men talk to themselves period when I was a kid, forget mm-hmm. just golf, like all the time I saw that type of behavior, right. From mm-hmm. my dad to men that I see at the golf course to people on TV, like, you know, telling themselves that they're a piece of shit or stupid, you know, like, that's just a big thing in general, I think, for, you know, especially like a, a young boy growing up and seeing like a lot of men speaking themselves in, in a way that uh, gives off this air of self-hatred or, you know, self-beratement for sure. I had this conversation with a buddy of mine. I was on the golf course and um, I'm not I, I'm I'm very slow to anger, very like you can ask Mandy like it, it sometimes is like hello anyone home <laughs> um but i i learned that on the golf course my um not my tics but things that that anger me when i'm vocal about like if i'm like shit that, i sound like the guys that i played high school and college golf with yeah. I don't sound like the older, the older, I, I grew up in church. So like most of the guys were like, you know, they had this veil of like, we're respectful men and da, 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 we don't really show our emotions and all. So I really didn't get that from like my dad or my uncles or my godparents. I got, I got that like golf self-hatred from my peers. So I, 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 I was just so curious about, because you talked about that one time, like, how many, yeah. like how often does that show up on the course? How how often does that inform our playing partners or mm. ourselves? How how often do we, you know, t- talk to ourselves like that and get into a routine of this is what you do when you hit a bad shot? <laughs> it's like yeah. a, the knee jerk yeah. reaction. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, to go there to take it a step further, right? Like the the language that you hear on the golf course, especially in sort of like those old boys club circles, right. Is not, Mm. (laughs) is not, is not super appropriate for taking elsewhere to put it lightly, you know? Um, And yeah, I mean that without a doubt inform me, it's like a, to me, the, to me, the, especially growing up in a, you know, growing up in a, a, in a small town in Maine that was, you know, very sort of one demographic, you know, like the, the stuff that, you know, the, the talk on the golf course is, is basically an extension of sort of like the locker room talk, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the classic Mm -hmm. like dudes locker room talk that you hear, which is like, you know, degrading to women is, you know, um, like in general, just, yeah, very, very harsh and kind of like, rough towards the self, you know, Oh God, I'm a piece of shit again, to just use that example. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that stuff without a doubt. And, and I'm with you, Brad, like, it's like the, the, the stuff we hear from our peers, I think is the stuff that really, that really impacts us, especially at that age. Right. Cause all we want to do at that age is fit in. Yeah. And especially for me, like being the only black person on the course, I was like, you damn right. I'm a copy what they're doing. Cause I'm trying to look the part. Totally. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I, I definitely align with that too. I've, I've caught myself saying things to myself on the golf course where I've taken a step back and been like, what? Like, you don't, you don't think that about yourself. You're, you love yourself in a way, you know, like you, you don't actually think that you're just a tape recorder at this point. You're just playing back what other people have told you. This is the attitude you need to have on the golf course. And that's fucked up. It's terrible. So it begs the question, how do we expunge that from the record? How do we get that out of the system? How do we shake that from the mold? Um, Sean, a, a question I have for you is, um, and ordinarily I'd keep this gender neutral, but given that a lot of your work revolves around masculine identity, I'm wondering if you can speak to what role golf plays in masculinity or, or has played historically and how you might think that role might be shifting. I've heard you, I've, I've seen you talk about sort of this, this shift or a new age of masculinity. And I wonder if you can expand on that a bit. Sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, to take it back to what I said about sort of that classic, like good old boy, you know, reference point, like that's what golf was in this country, you know, for, for, for pretty much all of last, last century. Right. You know, and, and I think, um, it's interesting. I, I'm sort of revisiting Connor, the question that you had asked me about quitting. And, and I can tell you that one thing that definitely contributed to like kind of getting tired of golf is like, I, I grew up, I grew up playing a private course. And then when I turned, uh, some, I was somewhere in my mid twenties and I, you know, put together some money to be able to join another course in Maine that was also private and potentially even more pretentious than the one that I grew up at. It was like a, this cool Donald Ross course on the ocean, beautiful old course. Um, and you know, one of the things that really turned me off from golf is like, I was living in, I was living in New York and I was, you know, having exposure to playing some really beautiful courses there, like through, connections in the golf industry and through people that I knew. So it was playing, you know, the clubs around there. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd go back to Maine and I would feel like an outsider in this course because I like had a couple tattoos on my arms and, you know, had a beard, you know, like it's like, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem crazy now, but, but like at a really waspy club, like that's, real, man. that's, that's yeah. New England too. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and I really felt like an outsider and like, you know, I was, I was like a sober former drug addict from New York and I'm like sitting around and the boys are having Budweiser's after the round, you know, and in like pink shirts, I don't have anything against pink, but like, you know, I was like, this isn't like my Monday through Friday here, you know, like <laughs> this is not really my life. Um, so while the golf was fun and everyone was really cool to me, I was like, I don't think these are necessarily my people. And I tell that story just because I think that it's a, I think that it's a representation of how even someone who, you know, my skin color certainly fit in at the golf course, you know, like my certain attributes of how I grew up certainly fit in in that setting. But I still felt like an outsider there because my life was so different. Mm. And I think that I think that one thing I've discovered here and that I love about Southern California is there are so many different 
like golf pockets and like different groups of people that play golf here. And like, I love just going around and like seeing the different pockets of people. Like I love going to like a cool little nine hole public course and like seeing what the scene is like there. And like, couldn't be any different, more different from like the scene that I experienced growing up playing golf. So I, I think, I think that that, that was just a geographic thing. That was like me coming out here and experiencing something different. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like there, there has been, and I, I mean, and you guys will be able to shed more light on it this, than me. I don't, I don't necessarily feel qualified to say this, but I feel like I've experienced sort of this democratization of golf that's happening a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. again, I, I don't say that with 100% confidence. I just say that that's sort of what my experience has been with coming back to golf and being like, oh shit, this is cool. Like the fact that I can like, the fact that I like, even just like going to a, going to a shoot and like meeting Brad and Cole, like two young, cool dudes who play golf. Like that's like, I'm like, whoa, okay, cool. Great. Cause keep in mind, like I hadn't played much golf in the last decade. Humbly, I can say I felt job, that Brad. way about you. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to represent for the young, cool guys, but uh, humbly, I say um, you you pulling up in some corduroys barefoot was like, yo, what is this guy on? I like it. <laughs> what is up with him? <laughs> I was like, I thought I was cool because I pulled up in a Sade t-shirt, but nah. <laughs> I mean, you're my best friend if you're wearing a Sade t-shirt. That's yeah, cool. right. <laughs> but I just knew, I was like, man, this guy's got some stories. <laughs> and, and here we are. <laughs> If it was a, it was a very serendipitous meeting for sure. Um, cool. Sean, I felt, Sean, I felt I felt very like seen reading your your article uh, about your 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 like journey back to golf because I I feel like I'm was almost on like a parallel uh, ride. Um, I played I played golf growing up, high school. I played D three college golf, and then you know. I, I I really fell in love with like menswear and and clothes and you know that was right around 2009 2010 and I you know I never moved to New York to make that a career but I I was blogging and writing on my own time and and I you know made a pretty decent uh, career for myself doing that and and while living in Wisconsin this whole time but you know I I you know after I graduated college I I didn't play golf anymore I it was just a part of me that I was like I'm okay leaving that behind even though I was the biggest golf nerd growing up, uh, you know, reading every stat, Golf Digest, Golf Magazine, uh, idolizing Tiger Woods and trying, you know, re gripping my own clubs when I was like 11. Um, and, that, you know, that was the level that I was on. And then, you know, fell in love with clothes and, and trying to be cool. And, um, you know, like your, your article in, was it 2016 or 2017 about like, downsizing your your wardrobe and and and, uh that life that was another like big article for me that was like wow like maybe it isn't all just about clothes maybe there's you know other things in the world that uh that you know mean something to you so Mm. um yeah it was just uh it's it's and for me like the pandemic kind of brought me back to golf because there was nothing else to do and i had a, a few friends that uh you know were interested in playing i'm like i'll play golf again i haven't done this in about 10 to 15 years but might as well and just fell head over heels back in love with the game it's like it like you said i i i, I honestly knew nothing about the, the players 
I kind of stopped. I, I started watching golf because of Tiger in 2019, but I didn't know who was popular. I didn't know what golf brands were still good. Um, so I say all that to say now that you've kind of come back or are, you know, kind of coming back to the game or uh, what, what have you seen that's different from, uh, you know, when you were first introduced and, and, and uh, playing? I mean, I still can't believe that now we leave the pin in when we putt on the green. <laughs> it's still, it, every round at it's least once I'm still like, what the fuck is this? It's a I'm tough shake. It really, it really speeds up play, though. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. great. Because here in, in Los Angeles, I don't know if you've noticed this, Sean, we had a, a period uh, for maybe the last two months where people started taking pins out again, but then literally this past weekend, golf courses are implementing leave the pin in again. So we, it was like this, <laughs> I don't know if you ever, we'll do y'all ever shit. saw the, right. If y'all ever saw the episode of the office where Michael gets the vasectomy, he's like, they tell me I can reverse it. And then you reverse it again. And then you tell me to reverse snip, it. Snap, snip, yeah, snap, he, snip, snap, yes. snip, snap. <laughs> that is what I feel yeah. like. LA County golf is hap- is that's what's happening right now. <laughs> you have no idea the effect that telling people to leave the pin in for the fifth time will do to a person. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, I, it, it's 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 I it it's definitely improves golf as far as I'm concerned because it does. It speeds things up considerably. When you're I was behind someone a couple weeks ago and they were taking it out, sure enough. And we were like, No. <laughs> like, come no. on. Why? Yeah. <laughs> You're and now, now I'm not afraid to hammer a putt. I like the line. I'm, <laughs> I'm hitting driver on yeah. that thing. That <laughs> exactly. I know. I love that. I've had definitely had a bunch of putts that were moving way too fast that dropped in because of that pin, for sure. So yeah, Sean, what, like where where is your game right? Like not not. I don't mean like how are you playing? Like how are you finding it? Like what's what is the experience like for you? playing golf again are you feeling any inclination to regress to that shitty self-hate talk at all or are you are you a, a a newly awakened being on the golf course that's a great question i mean i the, i would like to sit here and say like well my you know 15 years of therapy and self-work have really worked wonders on my you know inability to uh to not get pissed at myself on the course but no, I mean, I, I certainly have my moments out there. On on the whole, I'm I'm having no no pun intended. I'm having like a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like a kid again every time I am on the golf course now, which is, you know, I'm feeling like a kid again. I didn't feel like a kid when I was a kid. I almost felt it was like I I feel younger now than I did then. I think. Um, Whoa. I just am like I go out. I go out by myself sometimes in the early mornings and like that is so fun as fun as the most fun round, I think with other people just for different reasons, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of meditative, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm out there by myself and it's, it's the sun is sort of just kind of cresting up and you know, the, the birds are out there and all the animals are out there and it's just, it's so peaceful. And one thing that I'm, one thing that I'm really enjoying is like, I am so, and it's funny cause my, it's one of those things like your parents tell you as a kid and you're like, that fucking won't happen, you know? Um, but they were like, 
they were like, you will be so glad that you learned golf as a little kid because you'll be able to go play and you will have this with you for the rest of your life. And I just want to say that they were right because it's like, yeah, I didn't play a lot of golf for 15 years, but like my muscle memory is honed from when I was 10, you know, like I can still get it around out there, you know, and like I can still, yeah, my game could be a lot better, but I can still, I can go have a lot of fun right now and just hit shots. And like, I put in all that practice time as a kid. And it's just like, now I just get to like, I mean, I barely keep score. Like I'm out there just for the fun. I'm out there just for that, like flush shot, you know, that like keeps me coming back. And, um, I don't bring the rounds home afterwards at all. Like I couldn't care less, you know, like it's like, it's just about that fun, that fun walk. And I always walk. I like to walk. Um, Unless it's like a bajillion degrees. I took a cart the other day in Ojai because it was like 95 or something. Um, Man, where are you playing as a single in L.A.? Where 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 are you getting on? I ended up joining a course in Woodland Hills, Woodland Hills Country Club. Nice. Um, I have – well, I'm going to confess something to you right now. I have – been on those grounds without permission and used all of those free range balls. Um, so thank you for your contributions to my personal <laughs> progress in this game. <laughs> call call it a that. tax. Right. I love it. And, and, and what you just said kind of <laughs> affirms something that I believe and it's been a hundred percent. I'm two for two on this so far. Um, full transparency. Those that don't keep score and just like to walk, enjoy the game more. Whether you are a plus two or you just mm-hmm. learned to play, it like I'm just out here chasing a dumb ball, trying to get it in the mm-hmm. hole. Like the more we can really admit that to ourselves, that is all this game is. Like take it, it takes the pressure. It just diffuses the whole mystic like aura that golf has portrayed for so long like it is really as deep as chasing a dumb white ball around a a field trying to get it in the hole totally put all put all that on a t-shirt all that entire (laughs) monologue there's there's just uh, you know the other thing i've learned from watching so many other people play golf too is that there's just so many ways to approach it like some people play golf literally just for the walk like it is an exercise routine they occasionally hit the ball Mm -hmm. but like they'll pick up their putt you know they'll pick up a 20 footer and keep moving it's like (laughs) it's like aerobics and like and then there's people that you know take it so seriously and kind of you know take out the pin and you know have those have those um kind of like masters moments on the greens i guess or whatever but (laughs) it's like yeah i i agree with you I, i i think i think golf is an amazing game if you can play it like pretty well you know like it's like there's there's definitely like it, everyone i think can agree that it, it it's hard to suck at golf like it's it's not that much fun when you suck but mm-hmm. like if you can get if you can get to a level of like sort of like intermediate golfer like golf just becomes really fun and you're always challenging yourself you're you're always you're always, it, it opens up the world of golf. Like as long as you can play golf and keep pace on a golf course, like that's kind of the bar of entry, right? It's like, it's not super so hot. So true. Yeah. 
so you true. can suck, yeah. just suck quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sean, you said something a, a few moments ago, which was when I play golf now, I feel younger than when I did when I was a kid. That fucked me up. How does <laughs> I that saw make that. you feel? <laughs> How does that make you feel? I mean, I, I tell this to people all the time and I tell this to my clients all the time. I feel much younger at 37 years old than I ever did in my 20s than I did in probably half of my teens. Like just because I, you know, as a kid, again, I, I you know, I had I had kind of a hard childhood and had some loss and um, I just always felt older than I was. I felt like the burdens of the world were like thrown on me at a young age and I was tired and I felt like I was carrying around a backpack full of rocks for like mm. so much of my life. And as I, you know, we you obviously you guys talk about mental health and you know, I would add emotional health to that. Mm -hmm. Like as I went through and as I healed around some of these things, you know, these, maybe these misbeliefs that I had about who I was, these judgments that I held against myself for past behavior, like all the shame, the guilt, all the shit that we carry, mm -hmm. like my backpack just, I mean, eventually it just emptied. So it's like, now I walk around and I'm like, I'm pretty light most of the time. And now there's like, just golf clubs in the backpack. Yeah. And you, that golf bag is lighter. Like, <laughs> and it's not just because it's one of those little Sunday bags. It's like, <laughs> Shameless <laughs> plug for uh, Jones. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. Thank you. Shameless Thank you. Jones, Mackenzie, hit them up. <laughs> right. That's beautiful, man. I, I, um, I, I hear a lot of that and I, I feel a lot of that in myself as well. And, um, I appreciate you sharing that. That's super meaningful. You're and and something I, I mentioned to you earlier. I was reading a bunch of your writing this morning, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a writer as well, more in the golf space. And mm. I, something that struck me, obviously, it's it's a plain strike. So much of your writing is narrative based. It's so deeply personal. So and not abstractly personal it's literal and and very raw where did the your confidence come from or your ability to get that raw on such a public platform come from is there is there a thing that you can attribute that confidence to that bravery to because it is a brave thing to do thanks um i, I mean I, I think for me it always felt like from the beginning of be, beginning to share more personal stories about my own sort of inner process, it came from a place of like, like I needed to do it. Like it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a question. It, it was never a question. It was just like, that's what, that's what I felt compelled to do. Like it, it and it almost felt like survival for me. It almost, it almost felt like it was like, <laughs> I actually remember having this thought in like, I would say like end of 2014, beginning of 2015, around the time when I was like thinking about writing more personal stuff. Like I remember having this thought of like, if I can tell a therapist in a room, this deep, dark secret about myself, what the fuck would happen if I told a hundred thousand people that same thing? And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think this is necessarily the, the, I don't think it's necessarily the, the formula for everyone, but for me, 
I was like, okay, you want to talk about like revealing shameful shit? Let me just get it out there so everybody just knows right now. Like I will, I, I still do this to this day. Like I think last month uh, for Father's Day, I published a piece in Esquire about my dad and about my relationship with women. And that was a piece that when I was writing it, I was like, oh shit, it's one of those shame pieces again, where I like stand out naked on the freeway and say, hey, it's me. Like, this is my story, you know, like, but it works. Like for me, it works. It's like, I, I, I haven't figured out a way that works better than that yet. I, I like that. It's, it's, it is absolutely just that swift ripping off of the bandaid in one motion, like wound in the air, like catching the breeze, you know, just like, like, it's like, and then I got to email it to people and be like, Hey, I wrote this thing. It's really meaningful to me. And inside, you know, inside I'm like churning. I want to bark when I send that email, you know, yeah. like, Hey guys, like, please read this story. Like that. I like, you know, my guts literally came onto the, the MacBook as I was working on. And like, I found too, that when, when you share personal stuff, like it's like, you have to detach from the outcome because people are going to, they're going to project their own shit onto whatever you just put out there. So it's like some people, you know, your closest friends, family, well, maybe not friends or family, but some people that, that like see, see like maybe a little bit clearer reflection of it and just say, Hey man, that was beautiful. Like, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's all I think anyone wants to hear. Right. That, that shares something personal, but like, then a bunch of other people are going to have their own projections. You know, they're going to put it through their own lens because we all do. And you're going to get some reactions that like go from the, wow, this offended me all the way to like, just kind of the weird and like eccentric reactions. Like I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you'll see a lot of reactions. So it's like, you have to detach from that. It has to be like, I think, um, I think uh, Liz Gilbert, uh, Eat, Pray, Love, you know, all her books, I think she said something about this once, but she was like, she was like, the world doesn't need more books like written for other people, like write the fucking book for yourself, you know? And like, if it's a personal thing like that, I know, I know from having read so many, I love memoir and I love, I love personal stories and the raw, the better. And I love when people really lay it out there and it's, you can tell that it was a survival thing for them. Like if I don't write this, I can't live in the same way. You know, mm -hmm. that's like so impactful. You can feel it. Yeah. And, and I just gotta say that's incredibly inspiring for me personally. Um, like I said, as, as a writer, I think when I started this golf writing thing, when I started a blog with two people, one of which is my girlfriend and the other one was my mom reading this thing. It's like, <laughs> I didn't give a shit. I was, I, you know, I had the courage and the audacity to write everything, lay it bare, the, the drugs, the sex, the rock and roll of being a caddy. And <laughs> as soon as I started getting published other places, the, the scaries crept in, I think mm -hmm. of, I think I started performing. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's truly inspiring. And I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, because I, I'm, I vow to, to, to 
lay bare more of me in in upcoming in upcoming pieces upcoming stories so i appreciate that yeah of course i mean i love it and and i i guess my my response to that would be like me too like i perform too like it's like it's inevitable right i think that 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 um back and forth of like going within and being like am i really being fully honest here with myself is Mm -hmm. like something that we do all the time right it's just it just happens happens as a, as a writer, any kind of person that's putting themselves out there, you know, I, I took away from <clears throat> you sharing, uh, you know, what inspires you to do those things to be so raw and authentic in your writing is like a very cathartic practice. Like you're, you're really just like your guts, like you said, are on your MacBook. Um, and you use the word survival, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a question in there, it would be, what does that give you? What, what do you take back from that? Because you, you just poured it all out. It's all out there. It's in Esquire. My mom subscribes mm-hmm. to Esquire. It's out there. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> it is out there, but what do you take back from that? I think I think what what you said what your reflection on the fact that it is cathartic is is everything because to me the the once it's out there it it's 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 gone like I my my emotional connection to it left long ago like mm-hmm. my my connection to it left somewhere as I finished the first draft you know like mm-hmm. after the you know I I I there was a period of my life when I was writing when I was like I want you know, I really want, and I, I know a lot of writers do this as well, but it's like, I want to be moved emotionally by this piece as I'm working on it. I want to say something to myself on the page that, that stirs something deep within me. Maybe I'll have a cry about it. Maybe it'll make me angry. Maybe I'll, you know, something will move, you know? And it's like, that's, that's the point when, you know, like if something, it's like a song, like, and a song even more so because it's such a direct you can actually directly connect the emotion. Like you listen to a song, you know the emotion of the person when they were like, right, when they were putting that down. But I think writing is the same to some degree. So I think like what, what, I, what I take from it is like, is, is the, the catharsis itself as it happened. And then, and then by the time it's out there, it's like nothing really. Like it's, it, it's, it's almost one of those things where like, Brad, like I'll, I'll go back like, uh, months and years later and read something that I wrote and be like, wow, that was cool. Like, mm-hmm. awesome. That, that was like, that was a really fun time. Like working on that story. It's nicely written. Nice job. You know, I'll just have like one of those moments, but, but the emotion is long gone. Mm-hmm. And to your point earlier too. And on top of that, I, I think as soon as it hits the internet or print or whatever it is, and I think this is true for all art in some ways, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to whoever's reading it or watching it or listening to it for them to refract their own experience through the story that you're telling. And so I, again, applaud your, your courage and bravery for not only publishing those things, but having the courage to do so at a draft stage and just putting pen to paper, finger to keyboard in the first place, because that takes gusto. Thanks. 
Brad, uh, there's one one thing, one other thing that I get from it, which is very, very like you know, just <laughs> functional, logistical. Is like by writing about my life on the web in magazines and stuff. I mean, I, I get coaching clients. Yeah, Money. I mean, yeah, very true. <laughs> I, and I, I wanted to to go there. We're here. We are there. <laughs> um, you, I think you even touched on it a little earlier, but um, you consider yourself or call yourself or I don't know if there's an official title to being a life coach, but what is your practice? Uh, I want to know what your practice gives you, but what's something that you take from your writing that you put into practice, into your practice with your clients? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think the as far as like what what the practice gives me again, it doesn't it doesn't it never even felt it's one of those things where like you look back and in hindsight, like it just makes such perfect sense that you just don't even question it. Like it, it's like it's like all I feel like all my all my life experience to this point, like sort of dropped me off on the on the doorstep at that place, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a choice at all. It just feels like the, the, it feels like the skill set that I got, like, like it or like it or hate it, you know, like, it's like, that's, that's, that's what I like to do. Like some people nerd out on golf and I occasionally nerd out on golf. Some people nerd out on clothes. Some people nerd out on, we, we can nerd out on a million things, right? TV shows. But like, I really nerd out on like personal growth work. Like that is what I love. And specifically the male psyche and like the male journey. So like, it's like, that's the shit that like I'm reading for pleasure. Like, I just love it. It's endlessly fascinating to me. I don't know why I don't care. And it's just like, I love it. So it's like, I, like when I show up, when I show up with a client, it's like, you know, I get to take my, all my life experience with me in like a wheelbarrow and just like have a conversation with them. And, you know, it, it's, the other thing that I really feel strongly about, though, is that I think it's so important for men, especially to, you know, to um, get comfortable with their emotions and to get comfortable with their story and looking back through their life and looking at the things that have shaped them. Because, again, like, as you guys all know, it's like we grow up thinking that we grow up thinking that, you know, a good portion of our emotions are like off limits right away as men, you know, it's like, we don't want to be weak ever. So it's like, you got to watch out for all those things that be, could be construed as weak. And, you know, that's why I think it's cool. What you guys are doing is like the vulner, like anybody that can bring more vulnerability to people that might not otherwise get that in their day, which is why it's so cool to like, it's so cool to combine it with, with golf or like, you know, I'm sure there's, there's probably mental health shows in, in other sports arenas too, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but um, we haven't but done it's, research. Like, <laughs> yeah. Add us if you're out there. Add us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come on. Come um, on the pod. Come on the pod. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I guess, like, yeah, I, I just think it's so cool to, I think it's so cool to watch dudes kind of drop that carefully constructed armor that we all construct to keep us safe, to keep us like, you know, 
from never like showing too much, showing our cards too much. Like I just love to watch that fall, which is why I love coaching. And I love mm -hmm. to watch people strive. Like I remember like my, like my whole life, like I, I would always be someone who was like, like even when I used to party and like do a lot of drugs, like I always wanted to push people. I always want to see like, what else can you do? You know, like, <laughs> like let's 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 take it a step further here. So like, I think that that's maybe like if I take the shadow part of that out, like the positive of that is like, I love to watch people strive. I love to like Connor when you say like, I want to write more raw from, from like in my in like in the future. Like mm -hmm. I I'm gonna email you and be like, dude, how's that going? <laughs> you know? Love like, it. <laughs> you got to give him a ranking. That like, was six out of ten on the rawness meter, Connor. <laughs> you can yeah, do better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do better. Maybe it doesn't have to. Be, maybe maybe raw is raw is kind of an extreme word. Raw density. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you must yeah, be a huge fan of the Olympics, then. Like yeah, humans yeah, at sure. their physical peak, performing against I, other humans at their physical peak. Totally. I, I, I love, I love the, I love the physical peaks. I, I always was a huge sports fan as a kid. Um, I was a, um, I was a Alpine like downhill ski racer when I was a kid as well. And another solo sport. And, uh, and, uh, so I loved watching, uh, skiing in the Olympics specifically, like mm -hmm. people just going a bazillion miles an hour on skis was like really exciting. Bodie, um, Bodie Miller, New England boy. Yeah. New Hampshire, right? Franconia. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, we know the town. <laughs> what up, Bodie? <laughs> Come on the pod. <laughs> What's up, Bodie? <laughs> yeah, but actually, I, I'm I'm probably maybe just a couple years younger than him, and he was like definitely on the scene when I was as well. And he was like, of course, like just light years beyond any of us, just like charging, charging mountains. Um, but yeah, I like the Olympics. I like. Uh, I love, you know, I always love the, you know, sports movies, the underdogs, the, mm. you know, the striving, all about the striving. Hey, y'all, this is Brad. And Connor. Andrew. We wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening. It truly means a lot to us. And we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear to vent or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight and mind your golf. You talked about, um, you know, you, you nerd out on this stuff, like improvement, self-improvement, whatever form that takes. Um, Diddy said this very recently. He probably said it a, a bunch of other ways too but the road to the bag is tied to your dream so when you when you talked about you know i love just pouring my guts into my macbook and then hitting send and it's out there a huge benefit a huge benefit of that is that you do get clients from that um mm -hmm. so let that be a lesson the road to the bag is like it's in there it, it's already in you you don't you you haven't mm -hmm chosen your gifts they were given to you and it sounds like you've really found a lane to uh, exploit your own gift for lack of a better word uh you know but it's it is giving back to you in a beautiful way like how often do you like pinch yourself like yo i'm just doing what i love doing 
and it's yielding incredible results and I'm changing people's lives and I can live comfortably. Is that a trip to you? I love that. I mean, I I don't, I don't, I don't sit with that maybe as much as I could, but, but I definitely, there are definitely moments. Like I actually had one last night. Like I, I just, I had just finished up like a, like an extra long session with a client who wanted to like dive into some pretty deep stuff around his dad. And like, he just kicked ass and he went there and it was like this beautiful session. And he texted me today and he was like, I feel amazing. And then I'm like that, that at those moments, I'm like, this is fucking cool. For sure. For sure. Cause, cause I, I, again, I, I just, I think it, the best thing about coaching to me is that like it, and it sounds, it sounds kind of hokey and, and sort of cliche, but it's like, the like I re- the people that I work with are so inspiring to me. Like to 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 look into the screen and like watch them doing that stuff and reminding me because it's always a constant reminder too of like where I've been. You know, like it's like and they like the coolest. I think the coolest racket about coaching that there is is like I'm learning just as much from mm-hmm. them as they're learning from me. So it's like by watching wow. their what they're going through, like I'm. It does. It does, Brad. It does feel like a racket occasionally. I'm. I. I. I think it's cool. I think it's very cool. Symbiotic. And I. That's and beautiful. I, and I. And I love. I love that. It's. It's so true. Like that. That Diddy quote about this. I. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think we. We choose these things. We. We just kind of have to get some clarity around it. it it's. It's a process of of really digging into what that gold is, I think that we have to offer. Uh, there's a there's a book called The Big Leap by this guy, Gay Hendricks, who did a bunch of, he's like a coach and did a bunch of writing. Uh, he and his wife have also written a bunch of books, but he talks about the zone of genius, which is like the, it's like the point where that, that tiny point where the Venn diagram of our life experience meets is like our zone of genius. So it's like, as we think about, you know, what we want to put out into the world. And a lot of this is innate, right? Like, like it's, it's unconscious because like we're naturally drawn to stuff. Like you're going to, Brad, you're going to put out the type of stuff that you want to put out. You know, it's just like innate to you. It's you, you know, but Mm. like, I just, I love, I love thinking about that in the sense that like, I love that because nothing is left out. Like that Venn diagram has so many circles, you know, like, it's like, think about our whole life. And like where that perfect kind of like intersection would meet and like exploring that I think is really interesting. And I think the three of us have done that um, by having this conversation right now, by by exploring these topics with people that we find interesting. And I, I say it's this because clearly golf wasn't our gift or we'd be on tour. <laughs> we, we probably would have played, uh, you know, <laughs> wouldn't have played D three, but, um, Facts. yeah, that's, that is, I'm really, really glad you shared that. Um, I mean, I, I think you're right. I, I think you, you guys are literally doing it at right now. And Drew, Drew's doing it. Well, uh, by raising a beautiful family man at drew i 
I have to I have to say this on the show, man. You like I admire what you do uh in your life and also chasing down this passion with full abandon and raising two beautiful children like you are an inspiration truly <laughs> you are an inspiration it's, it's wild it's yeah wild. parenting is no joke uh, and i say that as a part-time nanny you know like i i only <laughs> i get to give these kids back but parenting is no joke and yeah. you are embarking on this entrepreneurial thing and like I just, man, literal hats off to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think, I think as a parent, the one thing that every parent probably struggles with is like, how do you balance your profession, your hobbies, your passions, while also orbiting around your children and and making sure that they are you know raised the way that you know you want them to and you're trying to raise good adults so yeah i mean that's something that i that i talked with my therapist yesterday about it's just you know how, how do you and i think that's just the struggle for for every every parent in the world it's uh you know prioritizing them and being a fully present when you're with them and not thinking about everything else that's going on in the world so but thank you i appreciate that it's uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but I, you know, when you, the cliche of what, when you love what you do, it's not work. Uh, I definitely feel that with, uh, with the show, um, and even with what I do for my day job. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that way for sure. Yeah, that was, that was beautifully said, Brad, and like, could not echo that any louder. I mean, Sean, apologies. We're having a little three-way moment here. <laughs> right. We in our bag know, we, right now, like, bro. <laughs> we, 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 we like and and you paid us this compliment like we we've been working hard on this thing you know like we've been putting in a lot of work and and drew the way that the way that brad was just saying i couldn't agree more like you're you're doing this on top of taking care of yourself taking care of your family providing for them and like that's an unbelievable amount of energy and love and passion expanded expounded and afforded to this thing and like that's it's incredible it's it's truly remarkable we're all doing Thanks, it guys. i appreciate that yeah. we're all doing it <laughs> I I like ways. we in it in yeah, different ways we doing it i ain't got no kids but <laughs> yeah. thanks john uh <laughs> thanks for thanks for giving us that moment, Sean. That was nice. Dude, I I'm, I I host men's groups. I've I've, yeah. I've seen seen that before. Well, to, yeah, mean, to your I... point to your point earlier, Sean, about like you you really enjoying men specifically, um, breaking down the walls that society has set for them. I think it's equally as important for men to be doing that together, right? Not just in a room with a therapist speaking into a vacuum, like doing that on a stage that other people can see, specifically other men can see and joining in. And so, yeah, this is, this feels good. This feels like work and it feels like pay at the same time. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's important too, when, when, you know, your typical like alpha males in, in pop culture or sports, are the ones that are saying and being open and vulnerable, whether it's, 
mm. you know, guys like Kevin Love in the NBA or or Kevin Durant or professional athletes that, that talk about like, hey, I, I'm not okay sometimes and I need help and that's okay. I think that's the things that are that are gonna affect the most to change. Um, or when, you know, quote unquote cool people are the ones that are saying it's okay to not be okay. Um, and showcasing that and, and being open and honest about those things. And that's why I'm, you know, a hundred percent happy to be a part of these conversations every single week to show the world that, you know, it's not just, you know, people, you know, people wanting mental help. You don't have to be sick to need help. You can be, you can be good and you can be, you can want to take yourself to be great. Um, and, you know, it's almost like, like a car tune up, like you, you, you might not need to, uh, you know, take your car to the shop, but you can always, there's always something that you can improve and, and get better on. So, um, you know, you don't have to be at the end of your rope in order to, to talk to someone about something. Um, obviously you should, if, if that's the state that you're in, but, um, you know, we all, we all go to therapy even sometimes when we don't want to, and then you come out on the other end and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm really thankful I went. I, you know, there was, it was, uh, nothing uh, that was weighing, weighing me down too much, but you know, it's always good to, to have that tune up. Y'all, I have to share yeah, this I... with you if that's okay. Uh, and Sean, I, I, I would love to get your thoughts, your opinions on this. I had therapy this morning and I shared with my therapist, this was a, a rather joyous session for us. Uh, we were celebrating something that we, you know, she was with me from the start of and saw it come to a head. And what we did was an exercise in which I time traveled. I went back and just sat down with 13 year old Bradford and told him I've had, you know, you can, you can look at the timeline of your life from, you know, whatever age you are to 13 and, you know, all right, this happened at 15, this happened at 19, this happened at 25. So I went back and just sat with 15 year old Brad or 13 year old Bradford and told him like, this thing happened. This is really what she meant. Or you failed this test, but <laughs> you really didn't put that much into it, did you? And let, just just validating every one of those experiences. Um, it was a joyous session. I I I, I want to make that clear, but I it, it was a it's such a powerful exercise for me, and one that she reminded me I can do every day. I can time travel every day, and depending upon you know which which events in your life you need to revisit or uh, what age you need to revisit, you can self-soothe. You can heal through that process. Um, is that, are there any versions of that in your practice with your clients? Is that something you, you recommend? Is that something that resonates with you? Is, uh, yeah, that, that's my question. <laughs> 1000%. I mean, like, like hearing that to me, like that, that just gets me excited. Um, and I think that 
all of us are walking around with these different aspects, you know, of ourselves, you know, in there somewhere, like different ages. Like I got a, I have a 13 year old in there, you know, that, that, you know, needs my attention sometimes. And I have a four year old and I have a 22 year old when my dad passed away, you know, it's like, we have these, we have these different ages and I just love that. And I, I've found the same thing with clients. It's so powerful to just let that, like that age be heard. Cause a lot of the times, like, again, it's like it, like you said, validating the experience, right? Like that's what we didn't get. Exactly. The validation of the experience. It's not that complex. Like people want to be heard and accepted and say like, dude, that's cool. You feel that way. You know, like I understand. And that's what we don't get. And it's like, so we got to do it in our 30s or 40s or 50s, or whatever, you know, like, but that's a huge win, man. Like, I know, I know for me, like, I've, I've had really powerful, um, uh, there's a process called gestalting where you actually talk. It's a, it's just a, the last name of the guy that came up with the technique, but you're actually, you're having a back and forth with an aspect of yourself like that yeah. or with someone externally. Like I remember having a process with my dad, like after he had passed, et cetera. But like, it's like, yeah, that, that, that's super powerful, man. And yeah, it's a, it's a big part of, I, I have, I have guys like I encourage them to write letters to different ages of themselves, like, you know, do processes like that. Like there's a lot of like self-forgiveness processes that we work with about um, like identifying judgments that we held against ourselves because of particularly like pivotal life events. Like say our parents got divorced and like I decided that my parents got divorced because um, because it was, you know, it was because I wasn't a good enough kid, you know, throw it in the backpack of rocks. Right. That's a big rock. That's like a fucking boulder, you know. And I'm carrying that for the rest of my life. So it's like to do what you did, to have that conversation, to just let that part of myself be like, I really felt like it was my fault when that happened. And for me to just be like, you know, me at 37, now the dad, essentially, right? It's like, there's a reason why they call it a reparenting process, right? It's like, we're the parent now. So it's like the 13 year old, we're, we're like, we're here for you, like, you can come hang out anytime to your point. Like you can go there any day. Yeah, even, even now I'm like, wow. it's, it's hitting me again, man. Like we need that. We don't get enough of it. Um, you're right. We, we didn't get it. A lot of us don't. Um, we were celebrating and these guys know already, but uh, a, a game show that very famous game show <laughs> when when we were kids, and um, but at, at the time this comes out, I w I have already uh, will have already announced it, but um, mm. I got to participate in a game show that literally I I would spend hours by myself watching and over and over. But I was by myself, not because I wanted to be. I mean, I did, but my closest sibling, my only other sibling, is 12 years older than me. And my parents both worked. So I was alone a lot. And that show got me through a lot. 
So <laughs> a powerful exercise. Uh, it it mm. soothed me in a way I I can't even describe to you. Like it it was everything I needed. Um so to mm. to the four of us, to the listeners, if you can incorporate some version of that, of some some form of time travel self-validation self-soothing like do that shit <laughs> do it um is there i want to i, I kind of want to try something sean if you don't mind because it, it sounds like it's something you 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 do recommend you do prescribe is there a guided version of that is there a a, a template a blueprint um something that you might be able to share No, I, I don't have, I don't have a, a guided version of that. Um, it's something that, that I was taught and then I now do with my clients, but I, I don't have something, um, I don't have something that I could just, you know, click and send. Although I love the idea of making that available. Maybe that uh, would be a, a miniature group golf therapy exercise. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, and I, I, I have my own ideas on what the show is. And if so, I'm very excited. We, we As soon as we stop recording. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So um, when are you, you going to integrate golf into your uh, practice, Sean? I mean, it's funny. Walk-alongs. Say it again. Sorry. Like, a, like a playing lesson. I mean, my dream would be to coach people on the golf course. No question. Like, like stopping on the tick on the six tee box to like do a gestalt process would be like the height of my life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's hey, like, all right, now that you're sobbing, go session. hit this yeah. tee shot. There we go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll be your first, we'll be your first clients for that, uh, that experience. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come through for that. On the, uh, on the, on the, just quickly on the, on the inner child, you know, tip. Um, like getting back into golf has been so good for my, like, you know, 15, 16 year old for sure. Like mm. every time I'm out there, like he is stoked. Like he can not have a bad time out there. Like he's, he's loving it. So I think that, I think that's another piece of it too, is like sometimes Brad, when you do those integrations like that, it can be good to then like, like make little almost dates with them. Like, like your 13 year old, like where you just like, hang out and do something that he would like, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's wow. what this experience was for me. I, I can't wait to share it with you. <laughs> that's what this experience was for me. It was, uh, if I were to, if I were to ask 13 year old Brad, like, what do you want to do on your birthday? Like I would say it would be dope. Like, like wildest wildest craziest dreams it will be dope if i could do this and as a 31 year old sean i got to do it it's insane <laughs> like i literally did the thing wild so cool <laughs> yeah it doesn't get any cooler than that i'll tell you what i'm i'm scheduled to play golf i'm i'm like i said i'm at home i'm in boston i'm in my childhood space where I learned how to play golf locally and 
I'm scheduled to go play golf by myself tomorrow to revisit this place that I haven't been to in a long time. Hmm. I tell you who I'm walking down the first fairway with. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm playing. That. I'm playing with 15 year old Connor tomorrow, hands down. We're gonna have some good talks. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, let's uh, let's let's keep it let's keep it on the light here uh, with some of the the uh, GGT staple questions. Sean, what's the hardest you've ever laughed on the golf course? When you sent me this question, I had to think hard on this one, man. This one gets I, I people. I've, I've laughed. I've laughed so much on the golf course over the years. Um, I'm gonna say that. Um, when I was at that year uh, that I spoke about at down at the IJGA in Hilton Head, I had some extremely funny roommates and like some of the shit that they would pull. Like I had this one roommate, he'd show up to uh, he'd show up to golf practice like fucked up on acid. And like, like, you know, like there were there were just some moments that I remember being on the course and just dying with these guys. Um it was just, it was just being like, you know, that like when I, I, I don't drink alcohol anymore, but when I did, like, I enjoyed a particular moment in golf when I was like, I would say like, it was about one and a half beers <laughs> in <laughs> my game got fearless, you know, so true. <laughs> I'm going for and, it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just remember like some amazing times you know, low country, kind of South Carolina, like sun going down, being out there with, with these buddies that I had just met like months before, but felt like I had known my whole life and just like giggling and just like having the best time. And I don't know if that's the hardest I've ever laughed on the golf course, but that's the memory that came to me. And to me, it was like, cause I was so afraid to leave home and go to this place. Like I was like, so shy, like, and I was really scared to go to this place. And I had like a, a really rough couple weeks, like integrating. I always did. Like I moved a lot as a kid and mm. I had to go to a bunch of new schools. And I always had a hard time. Like I felt so much anxiety until I had like my first friend or like my first few friends. And so like that, that was just like, oh my God, I'm okay. I'm good. Mm. Like we're here, we're laughing, we're having a good time. I feel like I've known these guys forever and here we are. So yeah, that's that beautiful. one and a half beers deep is a special feeling. <laughs> um, they, it's, it's the point of, you know, do you keep going or do, do you, do you pull back and, and keep playing golf? That's a yeah. tough call. Yeah. It's a tough call. It is. Yeah. Um, I, of course I can hit this four iron through this jungle yes. of trees in front of me. Of course I can. Uh, our, Why not? our, uh, he was, he could have been our number one if he kept his stuff together in, in school. Um, our, this player described that as the, no, oh, fuck it. <laughs> that that one and a half beers. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, fuck it. Sorry, Carla. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Sean. It sounds like there are there there might be many of these, but what would you say is your happy place outside of the golf course? Oh man, that's a good one too. Um, I think I I just love being outside mm. as much as I can. Um. 
being on a hiking trail over here. I live out in the mountains. So just being on a hiking trail or um, certainly, obviously the golf course, although that's the point of the question is to not be the golf course. Um, <laughs> um, I think, you know, just when I'm, when I'm surrounded by people I feel really close to um, and connected to, mm. like just a, I've always been a small groups type of person. Mm. Like, you know, give me like, give me like two or three mm -hmm. really close friends and a dinner um, a lingering dinner where you're just hanging out and talking and, um, you know, eating something good. That's, that's, that's a happy place for me, for sure. Well, that's a good segue into another question we have. What would your master's dinner be? What would be on the menu for that? <laughs> oh man. I think, I man, that's such a tough one. I really <laughs> love food. Um, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with like crazy fresh, um, like seafood Ooh. sushi hand rolls, like with the crispest, like most bananas, seaweed, <laughs> you know, and like the perfect, perfect rice and like some like crab in the middle or something mixed up with a little bit of, oh my God, I just want a tower, towers of those. Like it'd be the easiest dinner too. It'd just be like yeah. walk up your plate up with actually maybe the dude would just be like one of those like amazing sushi chefs would be just like doing Ooh. a cigar style oh. just like handing them out you know <laughs> wow that's a great yeah. idea so you grew hungry. up in maine did you say <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 right yes. lobster yeah. rolls that's it <laughs> yeah well that might be number two honestly that, that all sounds fantastic <laughs> we'll get you a sushi yeah. fountain we'll arrange with, that with lobster rolls uh Sean, what would your what's your theme song, or what would be your uh, what would be your walk up music? Uh, I think I'm going Heart of Gold, Ooh. Neil Young. A classic. Twist the knife. Oh, God. Yeah. Just that that intro, man. I got a guitar right here. Ooh, I could, it I could do it. Yeah, me too. Actually, let's go. <laughs> Do we just dueling? Do we just start a band? Let's do it. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome, man. This uh, this gave me a lot of energy. I feel like this conversation felt really, really good for me. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, we we touched all the bases on this one. Um, yeah. I we I mean we have to say it every episode. The metric of success on this show is tear shed. I know for sure I did. Um, <laughs> so this episode was a success, Sean. Yeah, we, ten, ten out we, of ten. We, yeah, we we cannot thank you enough for joining. Um, I'm gonna hit you up next time I trespass over at Woodland Hills, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get it together, man. <laughs> Mem member yeah. member guest. I'll yeah. send you over my my rawest. Writing up to yeah, forthcoming raw writing. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll connect offline yeah. against our uh, about our uh, our next guided group golf therapy experience, Gestalt group golf therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Sean, where can where can the people find you? And is there anything that you wanted to plug or, or talk about that uh, things that you're working on? Obviously, we talked about uh, the life coaching, but yeah, the floor is yours. Uh, my 
website is just my name, Sean dot Hotch or sorry, Sean Hotchkiss.com, S-E-A-N-H-O-T-C-H-K-I-S-S.com. Um, I mean, my, if you want to email me about coaching, my, my email is sean.hotchkiss at gmail.com, but that's on the website. Um, and yeah, on Instagram, sometimes I do these little videos called car coaching and those are fun. Um, and uh, my handle is Sean underscore Hotchkiss, I believe. I'm still relatively new back to Instagram, but I'm having fun. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, this was just so rad. I, I love what you guys are doing. You guys are all like amazing people, which is just so fun to like come on and just shoot the shit with some really rad guys. And um, I would love to play golf with all of you at some point. I, Brad and I got a few holes in, but let's play more and uh, let's, it would just be, it would be a blast to, uh, I'm excited to continue the, continue the ride, continue the relationships, you know? That's what we're all about, yeah. man. It's uh yeah, group golf therapy guest tournament is in the making. So yeah, we, we're we're uh, we're gonna we'll we will, we'll, we'll we be taking the show on the road hopefully soon, hopefully someday. It's gonna happen. It is. Believe that. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you, guys. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health.